Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. tell you personally, I want to go into a lot of scriptures, and so I hope you've got your Bibles, your B-I-B-L-E's, your hard copies preferably. I know the phone is great, but uh, get, that, get that Bible, man. Get your Bible in your hands. Get the highlighters, the notes, the pens. You know, Billy Graham would trash his Bible every year, and so many notes and highlighters and pages written, you know, so get your Bible in your hand. It's, it's your major, major tool, weapon. It's a major instructional you need it. God doesn't speak to me. Open your Bible. God doesn't speak to me. Well, open your Bible. That's for someone. Amen? Take it to the shopping center. Take it to the gym. Take your Bible everywhere. It's not days to be embarrassed about your Bible. Um, so I just talk a little bit about my personal experience, um, you know, got saved in the early 80s, um, early 80s and then mid 80s, started to attend church with Julie, we got married and uh, we realized we needed to be in the church, did that, we got there at Liverpool CLC, which was only about 120 people, now it's the third, fourth biggest church in the state, that's, um, I think they call it, help me, Inspire Church in Hoxton Park, great story that. And uh, we started to attend, and you, as you do, you get saved, you, you realize there's a message, there's a lifestyle, and you, you, you navigate this stuff. As a new Christian, you, you, you know, we talk about acceptance, and uh, we talk about uh, forgiveness, I should say, we talk about uh, faith, and, uh, and then you realize, my goodness, this is hard. This is really hard to do, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you, you sort of come across, you, you, it's like a crisis of faith, and and um, then you realize, oh my goodness, I, I, I need something more. Uh, this is demanding, this challenge. Uh, and then you're forced to admit that uh, you don't have what it takes. And for, my, for myself, um, did that for 85 to 90. In, in 1990 at CLC, Erina, I was invited to Bible college, crisis of faith, because I was on a journey to... Um, to work out my days at this particular place, get enough super to pay the house off, and God apprehended me. I was invited. I've, I said no. I didn't want to go to Bible college. And then to you know Jacob and Angel wrestling, and I came out limping. And I said, I, I think I better go to Bible college. Um, and I did. I said I, I need I need to go. And I, I just remember this time I was sitting when I put my resignation and I sat on my veranda. I, I sensed because that was huge. As a breadwinner, as a provider, as a man of the house, uh, I really felt this huge responsibility to keep that going. And I knew going to Bible college during the day, I had to relinquish my then job, although I did get another job next door at Mount Penang Juvenile Justice Center. When I was sitting on that veranda, on the rocking chair, the very only last gift that uh, we have left of our wedding. Someone gave us this rocking chair, and I went, oh, that's that's neat. Uh, It was one of our friends that just he had a rocking chair laying around. He said, oh, give him this. Uh, uh, it's still on the front veranda, in fact. <laughs> and uh, it's one of the most 
treasure things we got, maybe. Uh, so sitting on the rocking chair, and I'd given my, uh, given my notice, came home, and man, I just felt something gushing out of me. It was like all the control that I had over my life gushing out of me. And, and I, I really felt like God came rushing in at the same time, and he was getting control over my life. It was quite emotionally, actually. It was quite emotional. And I remember, actually, I have to concede, man, I did cry. It was just, I felt the weight of the world lift from me because I had control of my life, control of my family. I was protecting, I was providing, I was doing all that great stuff. And to relinquish that, that role that I was playing in my own strength, to take up the invitation to go to Bible college, to do this crazy stuff called Bible college, which was the most ludicrous thing for me because I was the most shy, quiet person. There was no way I was going to do ministry, but I, 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 I said, okay, I will go to Bible college and, and do that, but there's no way I'm going to do any sort of ministry. That's not me. That's Julie. Julie's the, the one that does all the public figure stuff, the ministry stuff. So I just sense this emotional release, the the burden of all that, the weight of the world lifting off me, and I really sensed that this was setting me up for something powerful. Um, so basically, our Christian life was great. We were living a great life. The, the, the Oldfield family were doing so well in church, but there was something missing, and I did go to Bible college, and that was a great experience, learning about the family album, the Word of God, and our great, 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 Joseph, David, you know, that's virtually what it's like doing Bible college. You learn about your family. And, um, but I knew that in my own failures, in my own brokenness, there, there's, there had to be more. And, and there was hardly any power. Really, all the good intentions, all the discipline that you can summon up seemingly is still not enough to live the Christian life. Do you know what I mean? Some people are very disciplined. Very disciplined, but still you need this second experience that I want to talk about. Christ's words were, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's like you can get stuck in this walking after the master, walking after Christ, trying to perfect yourself, discipline yourself, trying to be this awesome Christian, but that's not entirely it. It's about letting him in to occupy you. So that's the difference between religion and the lifestyle that a church like this admonishes. You, actually, people, some people like religion because it's a buffer zone between them and God. They would even, in fact, like to jump through some hoops and that appeases their guilty conscience. That appeases their sense of to pay tribute to God. The Spirit-filled church, I will say like this, it's a, a little bit about being brutally honest with God, yourself, and other people. Is that, is that cool? And you leave the religion out. You leave all that stuff that is powerful in its context of great churches that surround us, we love those churches, they're awesome, but this is a little bit about saying to people at large, get real. You ever heard someone say that? Get real. 
It's, it's a little bit like that. It, very, it freaks some people out. It's a little bit in your face. It's a little bit provoking. And even some people would prefer the other version to be on the other side of some uh, tradition and, and more, more uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, just, just acts and uh, things that, that allow you to think that, hey, this is not invasive. This, this is fine. I, I can deal with this. I can sit here in my, in my space and this is not intrusive. But do you know what? Do you know how intrusive the Holy Spirit is and wants to be? The Holy Spirit wants to come rushing in. The Holy Spirit did come rushing in on that day, 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly they were all together and suddenly tongues of clothes and fire appeared on the 120 disciples. And what does that mean? That means passion. What's fire mean on someone? If I saw fire, I'd go, wow, you're on fire, Tom. If I saw tongues of clover fire sitting on your head, I'd go, man, man, what did you, what sort of devotion did you do this morning? That looks awesome. Then we look at the life of Jesus and we look at his great work and he performed miracles. He taught amazing stuff, revolutionary teachings, and he dispelled darkness. He, he, wherever he went, he was, it was a revolution in one man. Uh, bringing light, dispelling darkness. And we look at his life and we go, man, how did he do that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having some of that influence wherever I went, maybe my workplace, my sports, my gym place, wherever it might be. Man, I wish I could walk into that place and have a, a make a difference because I believe everyone wants to make a difference in their lifetime. Does anyone want to be Mr. or Mrs. Nobody? I don't think so. Everyone, even the shyest person, all want to make a difference. And I think it's, it's understanding your calling. It's understanding your purpose. So Luke 4.14 says, now understand this, Jesus was able to do amazing stuff. But I will, I will say this, he had the Holy Spirit without measure. And we can have the Holy Spirit as much as we want. The Bible says when we get saved, we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit. When I think about that, I think like a pilot light, like in my barbecue unit. It's just like a little pilot light. But when I turn those burners on, I love that sound. Sometimes I just turn it off again. Because just, I just, did you hear that? That's my sixth burner barbie. Man. Just, let's just do it again. Come over here, guys. Check this out. Singed hair. Oh, there you go. I left the gas on a bit. Yeah, I just love that. But that, that, can, that can be likened an analogy for the Holy Spirit. You've got the little pilot light. That's the Bible. That's the truth. That's the theology. When you were saved, you were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your spirit and regenerated you. You became alive in God. Your spirit's alive, ready to rock in God, ready to do some serious damage against the powers of darkness. And, and now, by your own volition, you have a choice. By your own choice, you have a decision how much of this you want. Do you want one burner Barbie? Two burner Barbie? What's, how many burners you got, Phil Cairns? Four. Hang on, he's challenging, he's challenging the, the wife. <laughs> but about seven with the one on the side. Okay, he's going to take that one. Yeah. About seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, okay. So, so you can determine how much gas 
how much Holy Spirit you want, but obviously understanding that the more you turn these burners on, you're going to be ablaze for God. You're going to have to, because the Bible says, Jesus said, and wait, don't do anything. Don't have a connect group. Don't even try and read your Bible. Don't, don't even, don't even just, just, just pray until this promise of the Father comes. There was 400 of them waiting in the upper room, but over 10-day period, many left because they had things to do. Sorry, guys, I've got to go to do this. I've got to sell my calf. I've got to I've got to attend to this. I've got to go to work. I've got to prepare a meal. So at the end of 10 days, there was 120 diehards, people like C3 Tugra, just waiting, strung out in God, praying. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit came in. Tongues of cloth and fire came upon them, signifying passion, Holy Spirit anointing, had come upon these people, they spilled out into the street and Peter stood up and preached, this is that, that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, he will, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. 3,000 people were, 3,000 people were saved that day. That's the birth of the church. How can we tame it? How can we dumb it down from that? I don't know. I, I just don't feel that we can. I, I just feel that we need to constantly, not just one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we need to be constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 4.14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And for Jesus, this was unmeasured. He was totally filled because why? Jesus was man, but he was God, but he was without sin. And when you've got no idols in your heart, when your mind is not polluted, and when you're a vessel of honor like Jesus, you can be filled with the Spirit of God and set ablaze to be a history maker, nation shaker, in Jesus' name. Is that right? It makes all the difference. So if you haven't got enough Holy Spirit, I do have to say you may need to deal with clutter in your life. Clutter. He wants to take up residence. But if tennis, I'm preaching to myself, is tennis is so big in your life that you are just so strung out by these great heroic efforts on the tennis court that you are just absolutely, your mind is consumed by it. You get up in the middle of the night and watch it to all sacrifices to the, you just don't care, but you worship. Maybe it's surfing, Luke Boyd, I don't know. Maybe it's something in your life that you worship, and but God can't get into that life. So guys are looking at me going, I'm challenging some sacred cows here, obviously. I better back off. I don't know if it's footy. I, I did meet a real AFL player. He's 27 years of age at our family gathering. He's been there and done that. He's been on a very big, handsome uh, salary. And uh, he did suffer depression. He got through his career. He got out the other end. And he, he says to me, I just know that there's so many young lads who have got depression. They're, 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 they're suffering in this way. And I feel like I can be a voice for them. He's 27, this guy. He's speaking to me, man. He's preaching at me, this guy. I mean, he said, I can be a voice for them. I said, well, in, in our circles, we would call that being a witness for Christ. I said, are you saved? He said, no, I'm not. But I've been to Edge Church, Danny Kuklamucci's church down in, 
down in uh, Melbourne or Adelaide. And, uh, and I said, I've been there and I love it, but I'm still not quite sure about God or Jesus. I said, man, but you, you are going public about the subject of depression and helping. He's got 700 people on his books and he's, and he's uh, endorsed and, and uh, funded by all these clubs and businesses to go and reach out with a real testimony of someone who suffers depression and can be a voice and can be someone that they can go to. And he meets hundreds of people personally, and he's a voice, he's a witness for this subject called depression. Well, I gave him our version. I says, well, Bart, this is, this is the Pentecost weekend, friend, uh, and you know, this is all about, and you receive power to be my witnesses Amen. And, and to Jesus, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He said, this is what I actually do, but I do it for Jesus. You do it for this great, this great cause, you know, depression. And he was, I was just about to really get in. And then someone brought out the, the birthday cake and ruined it. I was about to sign him off. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, come on, come on. Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus. That's what we need. So... Lots of scriptures now, get ready. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good. Who wants to do good? And healing, that's what this guy's doing. He's doing good. And all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. He says in the, in the book of uh, Luke, in the gospel of Luke, he says about being a witness, he says in Luke 24, 49, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Until you've been clothed with power. Does everyone feel like they've been clothed with power? Anyone having trouble to forgive? Anyone having trouble? What a great giving message, Luke boy. Are you having trouble to give? You need the Holy Spirit. Are you having trouble to forgive? You need the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you having trouble to love people? To, to, to like people? You need the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you having trouble to get to the connect group? You need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you having trouble to, to belong to the church, to really belong to the church, to, to be planted in the church? You need the Holy Spirit, guys. You can't do without the Holy Spirit. And you'll receive power. Acts 1.4, Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Acts 1.8, and you will receive power. Say receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even Wyong, Tuggera, Gosford, Terrigal, and to the central coast. Amen. We can be that witness, church. You can. We find the promise... Uh, uh, I, I guess in the Old Testament, I've never used these scriptures, but I thought they were powerful. Isaiah 32 verse 15 says, this is in the Old Testament. This is before the day of Pentecost, Isaiah 32, 15. Till the Spirit is poured out from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. Does the Central Coast need that, guys? Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, for I will pour... Pour seems to be the, the word that's synonymous with the Holy Spirit coming out. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit 
on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. I love this. Ezekiel 39, 29. I will no longer hide my face from them. Thank you, Julie, for the communion message. For I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. In Joel 2, 28, which is our classic reference we've used time and time again. And it says, and afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Amen. So you see the disciples, they're they're waiting. They're waiting for the fulfillment. In Acts 1.14, they are all together. Guys, it's better together. They're all together. It's better together. When you're in the house, when you're in the church, when you're in that connect group, when you're hanging out with each other, it's better together. They're all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, Mother, Jesus, and with the brothers. The believers, in fact, us today, in fact, we need more prayer. The phenomena of this church when we started, we started in a flurry of prayer and passion. We hit the road. We believed in God and his word, full tilt. We were full tilt ablaze in God. If you had run into us, you would have run into a blazing inferno of Holy Spirit power, which people to this day still talk about. We've been going 19, nearly 19 years. But I found this when I really thought about this. Why were we so, why were we so uh, empowered in God, I think, was because of the Holy Spirit, but in that, we were able to pray. We were able to pray and loose the kingdom, and we saw dramatic, we had dramatic church services where demons were fleeing and uh, people were falling to their knees even before the altar was, was mentioned. Uh, one lady came and just fell. She just fell like that to her knees. I went, whoa, hang on, hang on, you don't understand. I've got to do the altar. You put your hand up. I say, I see that hand. You come out. We pray for you. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now she was so desperate. This was in the Cutler Drive. I don't know if you guys were with us back then, but Cutler Drive, and this girl just fell on the heap. This Salvation Army guy, he got radically baptized in the Holy Ghost, good officer in the Salvation, high up in the Salvation Army. I'd see him at a conference giving testimony of being, encountering God and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was a senior guy. He, he had a lot of authority in, in that movement. And the testimony was that he encountered God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We invited him to Cutler Drive in the first year of the life of this church almost. And he was sitting on the front row. I was about, we had this extended worship service. God was moving profoundly, powerfully. And uh, we just about, I was up like this. I said, we're just about to have so-and-so. And a lady came in through the back door and yelling and scratching. And her face had been scratched uh, all over her arms. And she was, she was on some sort of drug. And, and she came to the altar and fell in a heap on the altar. And we went, Wow, okay, let's pray, church. <laughs> so we began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and she became subdued. The, I looked at the Salvation Army guy, and he was like, he was like, oh my God, what have I got myself in for here? Why am they, they told me about this place? Why? Oh my God. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories about this preacher's graveyard, no wonder. Um, uh, you know, and, and so we started to pray for this woman. She got subdued, but she was writhing, she was screaming. God, God had <laughs> given us just grace to deal with it. We 
took her into the cloakroom or something. You know, you're in a school hall, you know, you're in an auditorium. And uh, all the dust was coming out. People were praying. Like, just the dust seeping out the bottom of the door. I don't know what they were doing in there, but there was a lot of action happening in there. And God was having his way, and he was delivering that woman. And eventually, we coaxed this guy to come up. Come, it's all right. It's all right. She's dealt with now. And he got up, and he spoke powerfully in God, in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. She was restored, Julie says. I'll take your word for it, darling. <laughs> Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Prayer was the phenomena. And we started to pray. We started to pray. We would pray one hour before the church service. We would pray one hour before the church service because we were totally dependent on God, Matt. We just knew we could not do what we were called to do because we, had, we, we hadn't had this track record of doing successful church. We, we, we literally didn't know what we were gonna, how we were going to do it. So we were, God, help us. Please, we'll pray. Wake up today. We need you. God, help us. Don't let people come and not meet with you. God, don't, don't let them just see us. Let them see you. God, help us. So we really were poor in spirit. And then God came miraculously in prayer meetings. What a nobby a Tuesday night. Every Tuesday for years, we had this uh, prayer gathering at What a Nobby Community Center. And we would get there and just passionately pray. People would get saved in that, just get caught up and get saved. And people would learn how to pray and people would be caught up in the spirit, be elevated to be able to pray, which is a great victory in anyone's life. Some people turn up to prayer gatherings and because, of they, because they suffer defeat of not feeling engaged, not feeling empowered to pray, they give up and they don't, they don't come back to the prayer gathering. And you can pray, and it is quite a powerful, it is quite a powerful event to be in a Holy Spirit prayer gathering. Amen. Give it up for the Lord. Give it a hand. You're too quiet. For Christians, Pentecost Sunday is a day to celebrate hope. A hope invoked by the knowledge that God, through His Holy Spirit, is at work among His people. It is a celebration of newness, of a recreation of renewal of purpose, mission, and calling as God's people. It is a celebration of God's ongoing work in the world, yet it is also a recognition and his work is done through his people as he pours out his presence upon us. So just, just help you understand with some of the process here. Everything that Jesus, everything that Jesus did his life, his ministry, his message, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, but his coming back in all of his glory and authority sets itself, sets us up to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. That's the option, that's the opportunity we have. His death reconciles us, his resurrection liberates us from fear of death and the future of the power of even Satan. His reigning authority is our sure hope that he, he will do for us what Peter proclaimed in his first sermon at Pentecost, Acts 2.33, exalted to the right hand of God. He had received from the Father the promised holy. This is Peter preaching now. He's coming to the end of this great, one of the great preachers in the New Testament, one of the great sermons. Father, uh, he says, he has received from the Father, this is Jesus, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. 
So we shouldn't be surprised about this Holy Spirit. Uh, Father God promised it. Jesus said it was going to happen. And they say, he says, it's going to be like another helper to abide with, with us forever. The Greek word for another in John 14, 16 to 17, we won't go there, but promises us that it's another of the same kind of like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus, and it's His personable presence in your life and around your life. And I love this scripture in John 14, 12. It says, it sets itself up to do this, and these are the words of Jesus. With this Holy Spirit, with me going to the cross, being resurrected, ascending to the right hand of the Father, and then loosing and releasing the Holy Spirit, you're going to do even greater things. It says, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. Now, man, my head struggles with that. How can we do greater things than raising Lazarus or, you know, spell demons like he did and, and push back darkness and heal the deaf, the lame? How... Uh, one commentator says the greater thing is salvation because Jesus did die on the cross, was to die on the cross and did. And through that great victory, through the forgiveness of his, of his ministry, the forgiveness of, of sins, we could pronounce Jesus to a fallen world and through the victory of the cross, they could be saved and that is the greater thing. Not how can you do a greater thing than raise people from the dead? Although Julie's sister last Sunday, she's at work, Mount Annan Botanical Gardens, and and guy, a young guy working behind the counter in the cafe, he comes out, he says, I feel dizzy, bang, he goes down. They they bring out the something to test him, his heart stopped. So they run. So this is Julie's sister. She 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 assumes that a thought because she's been She's been subscribing to our updates on Facebook. She's going, yeah, brother, amen. They've gotten saved through our Facebook updates. Julie's sister. She, she says, yeah, yeah, this has been going on for years. At first, she was making strange comments, you know, like she doesn't quite get it. But as time went on, the comments got better and better. She started to realize what we were into, what we were about, and what Jesus was to us and could be to her. And, well... After yesterday, after she shared the story, because it was her 60th birthday party, and we were all gathered, 40 of us at Alambi Heights and gathered around, and she was just telling us, she was just besotted how God had used her in that situation. Guy fell, died, had a heart, 14 years of age, had a heart thing happening, and, and the, they brought the fibrillator out, and they put the fibrillator on. Apparently, you can tell if the heart's beating. Heart's not beating. So luckily, my, my uh, brother-in-law who's he's the wife of Debbie, um, he says, stand back, boom, once, boom, twice, boom, three times, and then they perform CPR and the fibrillator's happening, and they're like a cohesive unit. The Holy Spirit, she says, okay, I'm getting there, I'm going to get there. I says, how did you do that? That's freaking me out. I'm a trained nurse myself, and I would be freaked out using a fibrillator on anyone. You know, I mean, I know they do it in the movies as a weapon, you know, poof, you know, you know, but this is real stuff. This is a kid's life, 14 years of age. And she says to me, I didn't prompt her to say this. She says, Phil, it was the Holy Ghost. 
It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me courage, gave me leadership. I was bossing people around. I was telling them to do this, do that, ring the ambulance, whatever. And, and I was doing CPR. And my, my husband was on the, on the unit. And, and 15 minutes we're going at this young lad trying to bring him back to life. I says, my God, you're freaking me out. How did you do that? She says, the Holy Spirit. She was, she was crying. She was telling me this. She was crying out as she was out loud. Holy Spirit. She was literally with people, the parents standing there freaking out. And she was crying out, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come back. Holy Spirit, fill him, bless him. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just doing that for 15 minutes. I said, you're bolder and more courageous than, than me, sister. You're, you're awesome. Holy Spirit. And she says to me, the, the ambulance uh, uh, turned up and, and cleared them. Said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great, great. Yeah, not much of a sign there, but we'll take over. And got him to the hospital and it looked like a touch and go situation. But the parents rung her up later and said, we want to thank you for your boldness, for your courage and faith in our son to live. We thought he was gone. And she said to them, it was the Holy Spirit. It was my Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that gave me the anointing, that gave me the empowerment to rise up in leadership, take command of that situation and tell that spirit of death, you are bound, go in Jesus' name. You're not gonna have this boy. He's in his formative years of his life, 14 years of age. No way. We're going to fight for him. Push, push, push. See, that's about rescuing. What happened? What's the latest? He's alive. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I need to finish the story. People are worried. God, is he alive? What? What's the story? He's alive. He's perfect. No brain damage. We can't find out why he had a heart attack. And she said, and she she said, said your sister, that's because Jesus healed him, she said. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Does it, your sister doesn't go to church. No, no, but she knows more about the Holy Ghost. And then I'm talking to the AFL guy. He's got more boldness to talk about depression than most of us have to talk about Jesus. Good strapping lad, sound good guy. Oh man, what a stature of a man. And he's saying, no, I've got a heart for these kids. They go through strict training. They're hammered by coaches. They end up depressed. And uh, he's, I've got a heart for those kids. I want to I want to minister to them. I've been through that. I want to minister to them. He said, you're willing to go public for depression? Man, if I could get my people to go public for Jesus, you need to come to my church and preach this stuff. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Another version says, and you will be able to tell people about Jesus. I think the Living Bible says, and you will be able to tell people about Jesus. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit's with you guys. He wants to take up residence in you. Can I just say that? I'm done. Phil Pringle pre- preached a great message uh, from Hebrews and saying, I just need to round it off with that maybe. 
Holy Spirit, we need you in these days, these challenging days. John Wesley said, John Wesley said, uh, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, my heart became strangely warmed. When, When the disciples were walking along the road of Emmaus with Jesus, their hearts were burning within them. People are restless. They're being stirred in their heart to act and to do, but they feel powerless. They want to act. They want to engage in this great rescue plan of humanity, but they feel that they don't have anything to offer. I was listening to a message by Pastor Phil, and he was basically saying through the Master Builder series, which I highly recommend, and he was talking about Christ wanting to take up residence in you. Can we go right to the end, guys? And this will wrap us up. Hebrews 3.1 says, Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Now, house, there, right. Hebrews 3.5 says, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house. House is the imperative word here. As a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Now here it is. Here's here's the scripture. Hebrews 3.6 says, But Christ, but Christ as a son over his house, whose house you individually, we are, if we, how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can the Holy Spirit take residence up in you? If we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing and of the hope firm to the end. That's the sort of house the Holy Spirit is looking toward. John 15, 4 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit, people of God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You maybe even can't even raise that 14-year-old boy from the dead because you're freaking out, you're running around with, with, with your tail chopped off. But Julie's sister says, it was the Holy Spirit. I rose up in leadership. I took authority over that situation. I performed CPR on him. We brought him back to life. That's what we need to do for the lost and dying world out there. Colossians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you selves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Romans 8.10 says, But if Christ is in you, this is what I'd love to tell all the youth, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, your spirit, the spirit, gives life because of righteousness. The source of your hope is Christ in you, Colossians 1.27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.28 explains what the church is about and what discipleship's about. It says in Colossians 1.28, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, say that with me, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me to this end. 
I strenuously contend with all the energy of the Holy Spirit, the Christ that is in me. Guys, think of the potential we have in the anointing to serve, to love, to witness, to pray, to give, to build God's church, to pray, to teach connect groups, raise family, win friends. Think of the potential we have in the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand. God bless you. Think of the potential we have. You're restless. You're restless. You want to do great things for God. You're restless. You're even in the church. You've heard great sermons. You've, you've, you've got an understanding. You're involved in a great drama on the planet. The greatest story ever told. You understand that you're involved in the rescue of humanity from darkness, from hell, into God's light, into God's kingdom, into heaven. You understand that, but you feel demo, you feel demoralized, demobilized, disengaged. You don't feel like you have the power to forgive someone, the power to love someone, the power to go public for Jesus. Right now, lift up your hands. Father in heaven, you said, Jesus, you said, wait, wait until you receive the promise of the Father. We want to wait all over again. It's not just, it's just not one infilling of the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled. Billy Graham's wife said, she says this, I know this much. At the end of the life, she said this, I know this much. We must be filled of the Spirit daily. That's Billy Graham's wife. We must be filled. You're in a Spirit-filled church right now. Holy Spirit, come right now. Eyes closed. Lord Jesus, right now, I just pray for anyone that may not know that they are secure in you. Listen to me. Eyes closed. Everyone praying. You're not quite sure if you're bound for heaven. If something should happen to you, the Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and once only, then the judgment. You're quite not sure. You believe in God. You've been coming to church, but you still haven't given your whole life. You haven't done what I did when I sat in that rocking chair and I relinquished all control over my life. When I did that, I believe I set myself up for the total infilling of the Holy Spirit. God came rushing into my life. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost time and time again after that event. After when I said, God, my life is yours. I give you my life. Wave after wave, through meeting after meeting, I encountered God. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God turned me inside and out, and I became a public voice. I became a, a voice. I became a prophetic voice, a voice heralding Jesus and His coming, but Jesus and His, and His kingship, Jesus and who He is. I became that man because of one thing, Jesus, the Father's promise, the Father's love. He does love me and you need to know that. The only way, I heard one commentator say, the only way that you will know that you are loved, that you are loved, that you are loved with lavish love. The Bible says, I've poured out my lavish love. You are lavished with my love. The only way you will know that great lavish love in your life is through, guess what? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that signs, seals the great love of the Father into your life. Right now with eyes closed, our time is gone. But if you need Jesus, I've got a short prayer for you. Right where you stand, if your heart's beating and if you feel the Holy Spirit all over you, just a warmth, 
just a warmth in your heart. Debbie, Julie's sister, doesn't even go to church, but she's explaining to me. I said, Debbie, what's it like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? She said, it's like a warmth. It comes over me. It's like a warmth in my heart. It comes, I said, sister, you're experiencing God more than a lot of people I know in the church. This doesn't sound right. And you're raising people from the dead. I'm supposed to be raising people from the dead, not you. I've been to Bible college. I'm at a joke. See, in the last days, last will be first, first will be last. There'll be people coming into the church, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they'll be witnessing. They'll be laying hands on the sick. They'll be recovering the lost. They will be expelling demons. They will be building the church. They will be serving the house. They will be, come on, church, right now, if there's anybody in the house that feel as though they want to let God come rushing into their heart, you feel as though you really want to belong to God, you want God to take up residence, not just in, in the foyer of your heart, but you want Him to fill every room in your heart. If that's you, if you want God to come rushing into every area of your life, cleansing you, healing you, empowering you, anointing you to live the life that God had always intended for you to live, the most exciting life, the best is yet to come. God wants to use you even in your late days. Smith Wigglesworth was 48 years of age when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost and he became, he became an apostle of faith. From a plumber digging holes in the ground, he was set ablaze unto the nations. 17 people officially raised from the dead, 32 32 on the record, but 17 qualified by doctors. Smith Wigglesworth had a ministry of healing and it didn't begin at, didn't begin until the, the age of 48 years of age. If that's you, madam, if that's you, sir, if that's you, young person, you want to let God come rushing into your life, you want to become a Christian, you want to become spirit-filled, right where you stand, our time is gone. Just slip your hand up. Let me see that hand from front to back, from this side to side, this side. Just lift up your hand right now, wherever you are, wherever you are. Just lift up your hand if you're not sure about your salvation. If you're not sure, if you're bound for heaven, if you want to be empowered by God, just lift up your hand right where you are, right where you are. Yes, right where you are, right now. Others, others, others. Come on, come on, right now. Jesus, Jesus, if you're not sure of your salvation, I've got a short prayer also for you, for you. Okay, let's, instead of embarrassing anyone, let's, let's say this prayer together. Our time is gone. I want to sing this song just to finish it off. But firstly, I've got this prayer. Let's all say it together. Father God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. I turn my back on darkness and I look to the light. I look to the truth. I look to the way of the risen Lord. Jesus, fill me now with your great love. Seal it in the Holy Spirit. Empower me to be a witness for you, to my workmates, to my friends, my family, my children, my husband, my wife, to everywhere I go, to anywhere I go, I want to be a witness, Lord. I relinquish all control from my life and I allow you to take control over me, to direct me as you will. 
for those who are led by the Spirit as sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit as sons of God. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound mind. Be filled, be blessed, be baptized in the Holy Ghost right now. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.